This is Beer School Episode Zero. Actually, beta test, whatever it ends up being. Um, this is the one that goes for millions on eBay. That's right. This is the one that goes for millions on eBay. So, uh, in three, two, one. You're listening to Beer School. We're here to help you and your friends learn to like more than one kind of beer. There's lots of beers to like. Some are made right down the street from where you live, and others have to travel halfway around the world just to get to you. In fact, um, the beers that we just had, well, we had to drive all the way across like four blocks to get to. The thing is, is that, uh, you know, it's all about the local beer, right, Motor? It is all about the local beer. It's about the local ingredients. It's about people who care about what they're making and stuff that hasn't sat in a boxcar for uh, six months. That's right. Well, that's why they have, you know, Bud's done us a big favor by putting the born on date, you know, to really remind us that beer does go bad. Yes, and putting it on in a way that you can understand what the date is, as opposed to a lot of other breweries like to do their secret codes. Yeah. And if you do some research, you can figure out the secret codes. But, uh, yeah, knowing that some things can go bad and uh, some things can age, it's not all like wine. Some beers can age like wine. Others, though, you want to have fresh. It's like bread. You know, uh, fresh bread is always the best. And, you know, after a couple of days, it's not so good. Unless you're trying to make croutons. Then then non-fresh bread's the way to go. (laughs) So the thing with beer school is that, like I said, we're we're here to – this is our first – very, very first episode. And we're here – our goal is to to help everyone learn to like beer, other beer, not just the beer that we've all been drinking. To get into uh, to to not to demystify what's going on with beer. Maybe you look at something and you say, maybe I want to try that, but I don't know what it's going to taste like. I don't know what it's going to be like. Is it going to give me a headache? Uh, we want to just sort of give you a roadmap to interesting places you might want to go. Right. Talk about history. Talk about the brewing process a little bit. Talk about uh, places that we like to go and beers that we like as well. So the thing about being a beer drinker is that most of us. Learn to drink the beer that our fathers like to drink. Yes. And why is that, Motor? Well, a wise man once told me that it's the easiest beer to steal when you're young. <laughs> it's what's being, it's what's in the fridge, right? It's what's in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ooh, I'm going out on the Friday night with my friends and I better bring some beer. And like, okay, how many beers can I take from the fridge before... It's been noticed that beers have been taken, and the reality is, is that beers are always noticed. It is being gone. You're like, oh, I thought there was a whole six pack here. What's this three pack? You know, even if you get tricky and you try to trim off the two little extra uh, rings from the six pack oh, holder, right, so that it looks like a four pack. <laughs> <laughs> well, that doesn't work at all. But then, how you know the the question is how do you how do you move beyond what your what your dad drank or how do you how do you uh, experiment with new beer? You know what about the peer pressure? Beer pressure? Yes. Well, that's that's what happens when you tap a keg that's been moved that hasn't been able to sit, and that's beer pressure. <laughs> See, I, I found when I was a freshman in college, I was of course not drinking beer because that would have been illegal. But uh, by keeping Anchor Steam in my little dorm refrigerator, people said that beer tastes like fish head, and they wouldn't take my beer. They'd go down and find – they'd always try to scam beer off the guy who kept the uh, the Henry Weinharts in his fridge. Oh, right. <clears throat> well, you know, the Anchor was a hoppier beer, more malt, more character. Yes. It, it, it wasn't a bud at all. And so to the to the person who is a bud fan or, excuse me, a, 
a Native American beer fan <laughs> or a modern American beer fan, uh, uh, Anchor Steam is not a very good beer. And so for everyone who's listening who doesn't know, and there's like four people that are going, I, I know what Anchor is, that one guy. Okay, so this is for that one guy. Yep. Anchor Steam is a local San Francisco institution. Uh, institution. Well, it's a it's a brewery. Yes. But it is an institution. Everybody's everybody from the area has knows about it. Um, it's one of the very first craft brewing companies in the United States. Started by Fritz Maytag in around 1976. It was uh, actually rescued by Fritz Maytag. It, the, the brewery had been around for a long time, and uh, he came in as it was about to fall apart and break apart. And uh, if you know Maytag, yeah, he might have had a little bit of money in his pocket when he was a kid in college. Oh yeah, and it, it, uh, from got, selling from selling cheese to all of his friends. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and just said, this is a really interesting thing and I want to sustain it and went into learning all about brewing and then, uh, really started the whole, the idea of brewing interesting beer back up in this country after it had completely died out at that point. Right. Well, this was caused by, by prohibition and prohibition took the literally thousands of breweries that were all around, scattered all around the United States and, and made them go away. And then after the fact, when everything was all settled and restarted there was nothing left only the 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 uh, biggest ones or the smartest ones that could figure some way to sustain their business when they couldn't be brewing beer right. survived it's like the theory that don't use too many uh, antibiotics because then only the strong only the the strong stuff survives right. and well, that's going to cause you trouble later exactly. on exactly ooh let's let's kill everything except for the strong stuff so let's speaking speaking of strong stuff let's talk about beer because okay. that's what this is. This is school for beer. Um, what is beer? We know that beer is four things. Oh, is this the quiz? This is the quiz. This is the. This is where we should have done our homework. Well, I'm gonna. I'm gonna guess that uh, since it's a liquid, water plays a part in beer. I would say, and 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 is it the part, the most important part? You know, the land of sky, sky of the land of sky blue waters. Is uh, it? Is it really the the Rocky Mountain stream? No, because uh, water chemistry, you can, if you've ever had to deal with a swimming pool or a hot tub, you can easily understand water chemistry and get your water from whatever source it comes from to clean up and be good to brew with. Right. So, like, much like the fish tank. So, yeah, fish, so fish tank, tank. Right. It's like the fish tank problem. So, you want the pH to be something uh, other than nine, and you want the. You want the uh, you want the salt to be something other than seven, whatever those scales are. Yeah, and you can adjust for for uh, different different types of beer. Historically, have brewed in areas that have either soft water or heavy water, and that does impart a flavor to the beer. But it's probably not the biggest. Uh, it's it's not the biggest key contributor to the beer. It could be why there's very few breweries in L.A. Could be. Because of the weird water situation that they have, where they they would actually have to manufacture uh, or make the specific water that they were looking for. Correct. Hmm. Well, okay. So next time you're in LA, bring beer before you go there. So um, next on the list we have barley, and barley is a grain. It's a uh, it's basically something that uh, it's like wheat, but it's not wheat. We sing about it, the amber waves of grain. That's right. The amber waves of grain, right. So uh, Purple Mountain Majesty. It's part of our culture that we talk about the uh, the barley. And the, the barley is there to impart sugar when you start to put the ingredients together. 
Uh, you take the sugars, not sugar itself, like you get in little packets at Starbucks, uh, but the sugar that exists within the grain, you're taking that out as you start to boil that with water. So <clears throat> next we have hops, which is actually... Uh, hops is what hops a kangaroo is, does. Yeah, hops is what a kangaroo does. <laughs> hops, there's v different varieties of hops, but basically hops is both a preservative and a flavoring uh, additive that's put in beer um, to keep beer fresh and to make it so that it's not so sweet. Because if we just had, if we just drank barley water, it, it would be, be pretty gross. It would be pretty gross. It would be really, it would, it would be super sweet. Yes. <laughs> and uh, the hops are a beautiful vine grows very quickly and you get these little, uh, they're about the size of a grape, maybe a little bit bigger, puffy little flowers that can be dried or put in, uh, put in full strength to the beer. Uh, to give some bitterness that you try the the seasoned brewer tries to balance the sweetness and the hoppiness together at different levels depending on what style of beer they're trying to make so there's different kinds of hops right yes there's bittering hops they're aromatic hops so that you can smell them you mean aromatic hops yeah. <laughs> no aromat not aromatic aromatic would be like your computer crashing yes that's the uh, that's when you let the smoke out. That's that's what they uh, the the uh, code name was for Fista Aromatic. <laughs> I thought it was long. I thought it was Shorthorn. <laughs> Actually, people got fired for calling it Shorthorn. Um, and then, <laughs> so different kinds of hops. So we have water, barley, hops. But what's the? There's something that's really really cool. Yes, the bubbles. The bubbles. Where do the bubbles come from? Do the bubbles come from like the carbonator that's uh, that that powers the soda machine? No. Uh, what you have, the last, the last of the four secret ingredients is yeast. And the yeast do a lot of the work. Yeast like to eat sugar. And when the yeast eat sugar, they transform it into alcohol. And, and something else. And some bubbles. And some bubbles. Some, some, CO2. some, some CO2. And that's the magic little nanotechnology that makes beer possible. So, wow, yeasts are everywhere. I mean, yeast, these nanoparticles are all around the world. Yes. They, they empower us to make, they empower bread makers. They, um, wine makers, wine makers. Yeah. I was going to say like, what is that other liquid that we, that we never drank the wine makers? Yeah. And a lot of people be wouldn't believe that wine is, or is enabled by yeast. You know, it's like, Oh, we'll ferment the grapes. Right. Well, what does that mean? Ferment the grapes. Something has to take place there. Yeah. You have to have, you have to add the beasties in order for the fermentation process to happen. Otherwise it's just grape juice. Yes. And so different, to, different yeast can impart different flavors. Well, that's right. Well, and we're going to talk more about yeast and hops and barley, uh, in future parts of the show, but we basically wanted to define what beer is, um, cause that's the beginning of beer school. Um, so in Germany, those are the only ingredients that can be used for making beer. Yes. The Germans are very serious. What's the name of that law? The Reinheitsgebot. The Reinheitsgebot. German beer purity law of, I don't know, sometime around when Columbus sailed. <laughs> like 1493. Yeah, 14 something or other. 14 something. All you guys are listening to this on the internet, so you can Google that. Yeah, you can You'll get the number. <laughs> It doesn't really matter. I mean, we can we can look it up ourselves. It's but been a damn long time. It's been forever. But is it really a law? I mean, if, I mean, is it really like in the constitution of? Oh yeah, of Germany. Uh, I don't know if it's constitution. I don't know how the government structure works, but it's one of the first consumer protection laws ever uh, conceived. 
uh, the Reinheitsgebot to make sure that the beer was good and pure and they weren't selling you, you know, stuff made with sticks and twigs. So wait, that means that implies that you can make beer with other stuff. Like you can put other stuff into beer. Sometimes you want to use cheaper ingredients. Sometimes instead of barley, you use wheat to make a, a lighter, crisper beer. Sometimes you want to uh, use something like rice that might, might be cheaper and impart fewer flavors if you're trying to come up with a flavorless beer that's not <laughs> uh, intimidating to the masses and sell it in cans and sell it during the Super Bowl. And I'm not going to name any names, but... Well, uh, there's, there's a couple of companies that use rice as a major part of their uh, ingredient yes. for the brewing process. Well, does it really, but does that make it, does that make it not beer? Well, I mean, under the German law, that would, that wouldn't. It makes beer. it not beer under the German law. But there's so many things that you can put into good and interesting beer that are illegal, uh, according to the German purity law. You can put fruit into beer. You can put coffee. You can put uh, vanilla beans. You could put beer in beer. Like, you can make a black and tan. You could, uh, <laughs> yes. There are also, uh, in Belgium, there was a, a strong tradition of blending different beers, much like you blend different wines. There's a beer right now that's blended with some uh, frambois, which is raspberry beer. Where would we get that beer? Uh, Smart and Final? No. No. <laughs> no, this is, so this is, a, this is the power of the local, of your local, of your local brewery. Yes. So uh, the local brewery is always interested in making and trying out brand new things so taking a beer in this case it's a belgium style uh raspberry beer yes and putting it in something that they're brewing and that's where a lot of the flavor comes from yes it's a it, a lot of the people who uh if you're going to start a small brewery you're following a passion and uh you're going to like brewing and you're going to want to keep experimenting and if you've built and educated your clientele, they'll be excited to try something new. And so it sort of builds upon itself. And most uh, brewers at a smaller scale are very uh, congenial. They're sort of a, a brotherhood or a, you know, sort of guild uh, trading ideas back and forth and coming up with new and interesting beers they can share and go, look what I came up with. Oh, yeah, look with what I came up with. Did you know that brewers trade yeast? I mean, you know, they're talking about trading recipes and they trade all these other stuff. And but when I, when the very first time I heard that that yeast was being traded back and forth, you know, and they and and I'm like, why? Why would you do that? I'm like, well, to keep the beasties alive. Yes. So it might be this this specific style yeast that got smuggled in through customs in a little vial in. Or you can try and get it out of uh, some beers that aren't fully filtered. You can try and grab some yeast out of that. Uh, that's sort of more of a, a home brewer uh, skill to try and make a clone of a different beer. Uh, home brewing, luckily where we're based here in beautiful San Francisco, a, a lot of good beer is very easy to find. And But in other places, I can see where, you know, home brewing is your way to get good beer. Right. Well, if you, if you have, you don't have a choice in some cases because if you live, say, in a little, little tiny town in Nebraska um, or Iowa, where the local supermarket uh, or the local uh, uh, your local beer store is going to only have twelve packs of the famous beers, the ones that are in the top seventy five percent market of of places. That's what the locals like, and that's what 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 will be available to you. Yep. So you have so you have to you know order the gear and make your own. 
Fortunately, we can do that now. It used to be something that we couldn't do. But we'll talk about why that that is on another show. So um, we're going to do some uh, some school now. Okay. All right. So there's some specific things, some specific terms that we're going to use between uh, on every other show from here on. And um, we'll probably call them out for the first bunch of episodes so that people can under uh, understand what that is. But um, these are some technical terms. And they're not really technical, but they're just things to know. And that way we can have a conversation about beer without really – going into a huge, long description. Also, it helps you if you're going to be out and starting to adventure with beer. You'll know what these terms mean when you start to look around for different beers. Right. So the first term that's probably the most confusing because it's an acronym, um, and we don't have any acronyms after this one. This is the first first and only one that we use. Actually, we use, a, and there's another one, but no, this is the one we're going to use on the show. And that one is IBUs. IBU? IBU. You be me? You be me, IBU. <laughs> Ooh, that could be really fun because, eh, all right, well, I'm not going to do that today. But um, We'll let's discuss see. that in a further episode. So, yeah, you be me and IBU. So, IBU stands for International Bitter Units. And this is derived from an equation that you take the amount of barley, the amount of hops, that you've put in the beer, and um, then you from that you can divide things and multiply things. And I don't have the equation because I'm not a brewer every day. Uh, but from that you get this number, and it's a magic number. It is. And the lower the number, the less bitter the beer is. The higher the number, the more bitter the beer is. And so when we talk about bitter, what are we saying? Well, part of part of uh at the beginning, a lot of people might say bitter is not a, something I want to taste. But across all the styles of beer, some beers are meant to be bitter, and it's a flavor that's enjoyable. A lot of people now like really, really bitter beers. The beers are made bitter by the hops, and they chase out a, a beer with a really, really high IBU. On the other hand, a lot of the beers that you find in cans at the gas station by the interstate have a really low IBU number. Right. So, for example, a Budweiser, a standard old issue in the red, white, and blue can, has an IBU of 11. So this Bud for you, and it goes to 11. It's one more than 10. <laughs> it's one more that's than 10. That's what keeps it ahead of the pack. That's right. And I'm sure that... I'm sure that if you could find a beer that was had less IBUs than a Bud, then you'd you're almost drinking water. <laughs> um, in fact, you know, there's at 11 IBUs. That's like barely that has barely any flavor at all. Correct. So, um, and another thing that affects that also is the temperature at which it's served. Right. A lot of the flavors remain muted the colder it is. Right. So you take a beer that is potentially disgusting because it has no flavor in it. And if you make it really cold, then it'll taste really good. Yes. But if you drink that beer at say, uh, you know, pale ale temperature, which would, I would say 45, 50 degrees. Okay. You know, not super cold, but you know, uh, pretty warm. If you drank that same thing side by side, you would go, ugh, this is, this is disgusting. So what would a number for a, uh, a hoppier style of beer be for an IBU. What's you know what's the top on the scale? Is it a million? No, it's okay. So once you get up to once you get up over a hundred, 
you're talking about really hoppy beers. Yeah. I mean, not hoppy beers, but really bitter beers. And they're going to have lots of hop flavor. They're going to have lots of malt flavor. And it's just going to be this explosion of, of, uh, of bitterness or flavor. And it is interesting. So I, I uh, this is kind of getting ahead of everything, but that's okay. Um, the, uh, the professors are allowed to, to impart a story. Uh, a brewer decided that he wanted to make a beer that was over 140 IBUs. Okay. Um, uh, you, re- you remember the guy? He, he used, to, he used so. to brew at Magnolia. Ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. Anyway, so he he goes he goes off and he's like, ah, I'm gonna brew this big, 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 big beer, and he does, and it takes like thirty, no, it takes like fifty pounds of hops to get this this up there, and so normally a batch of beer might only use twenty pounds of hops, so he's used double plus ten to get to this uh, to get to his to get to his hoppiness, double and a half, double and a half, double plus ten. Where did that come from? <laughs> anyway, so you're, he's all excited. You're like, here, try this beer. Like, what's it called? And he, and he says, it's called Promised Land. I'm like, okay. And you take, and you're like, Geek! you know, you make that Bugs <laughs> Bunny face. <laughs> like, like everything screws up all at the same time. And you're like, ugh, that's, ugh. and then, and then after you got used to it, it was like, hmm, this is really good. <laughs> Yeah, there's also a a, a uh, style that a very sour beer where you're trying to the flavor comes out very sour to the point where you just pucker. Oh right, and uh, those those are usually from Belgium. Those beers, yes. sour beers. Well, sour beers are something we'll skip over. Oh, that's we'll... that's way down the line. Yeah. Okay. So the thing of it is, is that if you if you are changing your beer drinking styles and you try something that a Belgium sour or a Belgium goose or um, a lambic style beer. Uh, wow, those things that you'll just drink it and go, why am I drinking this? And unf- it's really sad in a way because you know that that style of beer is an acquired taste. Because once you once you acquire the taste and once you get there, it's like, okay, I can't think of why I wouldn't want to not drink this beer. Exactly. But that's uh, but that's what the show is about. You know, the thing of it is, is that when I first started learning about lots of different styles of beer, one of the best beers I thought in the whole world was a Heineken. Well, Heinekens come in green glass bottles. Um, they have a bitter, skunky taste to them. But I thought that's okay. I'm drinking a Heineken. This is obviously a good beer because it came from all the way around the world, and I I need to uh, enjoy it. And so I choked it down and. There I was thinking, okay, I'm drinking a really good beer. Mm-hmm. Well, there's also, if you're starting out, there is no wrong answer in what beer you like. You could even make a good argument for the stuff that comes in the in the cans right. uh, from the you know the the shelf at the gas station. But uh, you know, some people like dark beers, some people like hoppy beers, some people like sour beers, and some people well, do like beers that are cold with not a lot of flavor. Right. Well, that's the thing. You know, you like what you like. Yeah. And I'm not going to. I'm not going to say, "Ooh, you got to try this beer because it's the best, it's the bestest beer in the whole world." And you know, you may try that thing that I'm that I'm foisting on you, and you may go, "Yeah, why does this taste like bananas?" And you're like, "You're tasting bananas. That's so cool." <laughs> 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 All right, so uh, let's see. Next thing on our terms list is gravity. Now we're not talking about Bugs Bunny defying law of gravity. Without we, without gravity, you wouldn't be able to keep the beer in your glass. That's right, you know. And without a glass, you wouldn't be able to put beer. Wouldn't have something to put beer in. So gravity is what? 
gravi- gravity is uh, the uh, this is the one that always throws me off. It's it's a measure of the potential alcohol uh, that can be released in a beer. Okay, so after so this is a brewing process. Yes, this is part of so the gravity of the beer is when you've just um, imparted all the sugars from the barley. Yes. What? How and, many sugars do you have, and how many sugars are converted into alcohol? Right. And then that from the gravity, we can f- determine what the potential, uh, what the potential ABV. Yes. What is ABV, John? Uh, absolutely Bavarian volts. <laughs> alcohol by volume. <laughs> it's funnier to say absolute Bavarian volts, but um, so alcohol by volume, and so that tells you uh, the percentage of. Of uh, you know, a lot of available of, sugar of, that was converted to alcohol, right? And you use this great little device called a hydrometer, which looks sort of like a thermometer uh, that floats in a in a cylinder of the liquid ahead of time and after time, and you take the two readings, and uh, you can figure out what how much how much how much sugar turned into alcohol, and thereby how how much alcohol your beer will have. Right. So the the cool thing about this is, well, why would you want to know how much alcohol is in your beer? And a couple of things is, is one, the bigger the number, the more buzz it's going to pack. But that's not, that's not why I'm interested. The reason why I'm interested is because it's also going to give me an idea of what that beer might taste like before I taste the beer. So in the case of, um, in the case of an IPA, which is an India Pale Ale style beer, which is a hoppier beer. Uh, if I look at the the style, should be between we're going to say six and seven percent alcohol or ABV. And if it's like five and a half, then maybe that's not really an IPA. Correct. It might be the first indicator that during the brewing process something went wrong. Right. And the brewers just selling his mistake, which is what the brewers are allowed to do. They just rename the beer into something else and call it that. So um, we'll talk more about what ABV is and what gravity is, and and uh, we'll do our homework and come we'll up do with our better homework. answer. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is the first show. We can uh, we can make mistakes like this, right? So um, next thing I want to talk about is hoppy or hoppiness. Um. The hoppier the beer, the the more bitter it is, which is, goes back to the IBUs. But a lot of times when I'm describing something, I'm not going to go 54. No, I'm, no, no, the, no. I like the 60. Uh, well, no, I'm thinking it's more like a 52. What do you think? <laughs> you know, so we're not going to use a number to, to talk about what we're tasting. So when we talk about a beer, we might say it's more hoppy than a something else. Yes. Or it's less hoppy than a bud. Um, and there's also the flavor on your tongue of hoppy. Right. And the aromatic hoppy that you smell from the beer. Right. So there's a couple of things, right? So when, you, when you're tasting a beer for the first time, you're, there's a whole bunch of senses that, that you're going to use or that you can use. Uh, you know, one of them being touch. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels wet. It feels wet. That's the wetness factor. That's, That's another measure. Is. is it beer? Yeah, okay. Is it cold? Yeah, okay. So there's the touch factor. I never thought about using touch as a, as a until right now. We're making a joke about it, but, you know, touching a beer. Um, but the way, that, the way that a beer smells and the way that a beer tastes can be described using a hop factor, which leads us to our next word, which is bitter. 
And bitter is, like Motor said just a moment ago, is a good thing. Beer really, um, beer needs to be bitter. If it's super sweet, if it's just, and that's one of our other words. So we'll talk about bitter and sweet at the same exact time. Yes. Um, if a beer isn't in balance with its sweetness between bitter and sweet, then it might be so it might be undrinkable. You might get a pucker factor from the sweet, or you might get a uh, uh, yeah factor <laughs> from well, you the, want it, from the bitter. For each style, you want it, some beers. You're going to want to be sweeter than other other beers. Some beers you're going to want to have more bitter, and it's not that the beer is made correctly or incorrectly. It's to the style. This one's supposed to be sweet. This one's supposed to be bitter. If you like it more bitter, travel down this path. If you like it sweeter, travel down this path. And uh, the the bitter is sometimes associated with being more refreshing or it works better with some foods. And the sweet is uh, with some beers. You want to have it there, especially if you're brewing with fruit. Uh, but sometimes if it gets too sweet, it's not as refreshing. It's sort of more cloying. What's that word mean? Sort of. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're using, using my hands. Using that an makes air good podcast. <laughs> um, sort of a, annoyingly sweet. Annoyingly sweet. I need a laptop in front of me so I can be online figuring out what I'm saying. You know, you're time. not. No, 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 no. This, you're not allowed <laughs> to do that. You just have to sit here and talk. No calculators, pencils only? No. Calculators and pencils only. We learned this trick a while ago that that's the best way to do these is to, you know, to basically be ready. We have, you have sweet and you have, you have bitter. Sweet comes from the malt, bitter comes from the hops. And you mix those two things together, those two flavors in varying degrees, depending on what style of beer you have. Cool. I tried to put some concise thought together there. There we go. Well, you didn't need, uh, and then you didn't need a laptop to do that. So what's in store for Beer School in the future? We have a bunch of different shows lined up for you, a lot of different guests, a lot of different people that we want to talk to, both brewers, brewing uh, advocates, brewing historians, people that know um, that know that drink more beer than I do, which is, I don't know how that's possible, but... Oh, that's why you have me on the show. <laughs> that's why. No, no, no. Well, actually, you travel more than I do, <laughs> so you're always going to different places to go try different beers. Um, which is motors benefit to motors benefit that he gets to to use that knowledge back here. Um, so proper bar etiquette, proper bar etiquette. Um, how to tip your bartender, bartenders? No, there's just no, no, there's none of that. Just how to tip your bartender. Yes, we'll do a show about uh, free beer. How to get free beer. Um, and the ways that, uh, the, the, the things that come with free beer, what, what's, uh, what's in for that. That's more of a show for the gentlemen than the ladies. The that's ladies right. seem to have the free beer thing built in. Oh, that's right. You know, they, they get free beer all the time. And then I don't know how that works. How is that possible? Um, we're going to talk about, um, styles of beer like porters and ambers and wait, those are some kids names. Watermelon wheat. <laughs> Watermelon wheat. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll uh, get some advertising dollars for that, or maybe a free beer for saying watermelon weed on the show. We're going to talk about marketing and an interesting craft brew, craft brew and cans. Craft brew and cans. Cans don't necessarily make beer bad. Right. I was going to use another word, but you know, since we're trying to get on the Disney Channel, right? Well, uh, it's definitely not a show for kids. This this show, but 
you know, well, it's a craft brew in cans. So in, in part of our history lesson, when we go down the, the path of history, we're going to talk about the can and where, uh, where and how its role was defined or what the, how its role was defined. How the technology of packaging has changed over the years. There you beer. go. That's what I was trying to say. Remember the Coors Party Ball? Oh, yeah. Whatever <laughs> happened to the Party Ball? I'm sure you can still get them somewhere. I'm sure that there's some, that there's some place in, uh, in Grand Rapids, Michigan that still sells the Party Ball. What an interesting thing, the party ball. Yep. And, it, and, you know, right off it in, implied party. So when you showed up with the party ball, the party ball fueled the, you know, just made everybody go up one more. It was an icon. It was. Hmm. I didn't even save one. I'm <laughs> sure that you could brew it or use it as a fermenter or something. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about brewing, but not a lot because there's a show that already does like the way into brewing show. Uh, that's the Brewing Network. Uh, Justin Crossley, uh, Daniela, Doctor Scott, Doctor Scott, JP, guys, JP. So that's the Brewing Network.com. And if you want to become a better brewer or know all about brewing, that's a three-hour show on Sundays. Go ahead and, uh, and they've got a lot of content to have. And so you know the thing is, is that you could you could just not even listen to the live show and just start with like the show from a year ago and just listen to the archive. Keep going from there. And uh, a great resource if you do want to be a brewer or a professional brewer or that. When we talk about brewing, we're going to talk about it from a more elementary point of view or a beer 101 point of view so that everyone really understands the process of of brewing uh, a little better. I don't know that it makes you a better beer drinker knowing the process, but definitely you can appreciate where that beer came from and, and why it's why it's the style that it was. And then when you go to the brewery, which is always a fun thing to do. Uh, when you go to the brewery, you can actually know what those things are. Those, know what's going on in those big steel tanks in the back. Yeah, and what's why there's why there's copper there, and why there's a, a bunch of foam, and how come that stuff looks like it's brown, and and you know exactly, and and, and oh wow, look at all that. You have about a million dollars of oh no, that's just hops. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, no, we're we're sitting here with a perspective. We're sitting on the same side of the bar as you are. We're sitting outside the brewery, looking in at the brewery, and we're just here to tell you uh, how to be a better beer drinker. That's right. How to be a better beer drinker. How you and your friends can learn to like more than one kind of beer. Yes. And the elusive, when I'm out with my lady friend, what beer might she like? Oh, this is. You know what? This is a really good point because. Wow, what better way to impress the girl than to understand what what might be going on in her head? You always need to understand her needs. That's right, you know. And so you don't want to order her a. You don't want to start out with an IPA. You don't want to give her an IPA because you know what? Pucker factor is going to go. Any pucker factor that you might have got the benefit of, totally gone. (laughs) All right, so we have some homework for everybody. This is a really, this is a very, every show we're going to do homework. We're going to talk about homework. And uh, this is homework for us. It's homework for the kids at home. Um, uh, Some of the shows will actually have uh, tastings. We'll talk about the beer that we're, that we're going to do, but you know, it's good noon and uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, it is Super Bowl Sunday. I can't say that. Why? Well, I can, whatever. It's Super Bowl Sunday. 
It's S O O P E R B U L. It's Stupid Bowl Sunday. Anyway, so anyway, I'm sure that everybody's going to be drinking lots and lots of beers today, but the four and you don't get the benefit of the homework today. This is for next when you're listening to this, but the homework for beer school is we would like everybody to go buy a six pack of beer that costs $3 more than you usually spend. And first thing you're going is like six pack, dude, I buy 12 packs. All right. So that's maybe the first thing that, you can do is to not buy the 12 pack. Here's a math lesson. If you buy 12 packs, buy two six packs. They cost, how many dollars did we say? Three? We they cost six dollars more yeah, than six. your 12 pack. <clears throat> no, no, no. I guess what I was saying is, is that the guy's like going, well, I drink Bud. You know, I drink Miller. I drink Henry Weinhardt's or I drink, you know, something that comes in a 12 pack and I really like that beer. Well, okay. So what we're asking is, in the in the quest of spending three dollars more on your beer, is really to try something else to go eeny meeny miny mo on the shelf. And I know that this is going to go that this is a this is a request that will potentially go wrong because you're going to pick something because it's got a pretty red bottle, or because it's got a pretty red um, uh, six pack wrapper, and you're going to go. I hate this beer. I hate <laughs> this show. I'm never going to listen to it again. And well. It's the first step, you know. It really is, you know. If if you want to be a better beer drinker, you've got to be willing to expand your horizons. Travel down the path less traveled. Travel to San Francisco and uh, meet up with us somewhere, and we'll impart all of our knowledge, and you can pay for it. <laughs> I think I'm a, I think I've imparted all my knowledge today. That's right. Well, but no, we don't know where you live. We don't know what beer is available to you, and so the easiest way for us to try to get you to reach out to a different beer is it's a pretty good bet that if you pay a little bit more uh, than what you usually spend on beer, you might find something that's a little bit more interesting. The other thing you can do with that, that newfound beer is you can side by side it with the beer that you already like. Yes. So you can have $3 six pack more in one hand and your normal beer in the other hand. And you can, you can learn to uh, you can taste the you know do the side by side tests. Now we're the next show that we're going to do is on tasting beer, which is like yeah I know how to taste beer like put the glass up to my mouth and take a sip and then I know how to sip and then I swallow it and that's it. Sure, we understand. I got it. That's how I used to think. I'm like, you know, back in the day when once before somebody said, "Hey, this is how to this is how to taste a beer." I didn't taste a beer. I was just drinking beer to drink beer. So I thought it was cool and I thought, you know, "Oh, I'm drinking beer. Okay, here we go." And who knew that there was all these flavors and who knew that there was all these different tastes? And who knew that if you are cooking chicken wings that this beer might be a better beer to have with the chicken wings. with the chicken wings, and then when you're done with the chicken wings and you're having the turducken, <laughs> that, that the turducken required a different beer. We'll even find you a beer that'll go with cheesecake. Oh, a beer with cheesecake that is. Um, I'd take I'd take a stout. I would take a stout too. That would be that would be the way to go. But as you as you learn to to taste different flavors in beer, then you can have a communication with somebody or communicate with someone about 
I like this beer. I like these sort of flavors. What do you have that is like this that I can try? So that you start to develop a language that you can communicate if you go to a place that has different beer choices that you've never experienced. Right. And usually, you know, trust, usually your, your bartender will know what those things are, you know, what, what's there. So you can say, well, I like this beer. So the guy will go, oh, then you should try this. Because Unless you're at a bar in L.A. where you ask for a Pilsner and they say, uh, we don't have a Pilsner, <laughs> but why not a Racer 5? <laughs> so not a Racer 5. It's so far away from from there. All right. So now you've got your homework. We've talked about some terms. Um, we've got the beginning of the show. This is the first one that we're going to do. A lot of amazing people that are going to be helping us with the the coming months. There's a menagerie of them. A menagerie of them. We're going to have motor on as many times as we possibly can. It basically means that I'm going to have to go pick him up, but that's fine. I know a lot of words when the bus comes here. He does. Actually, the bus does come here. It's very close. Uh, and so uh, until next time, class dismissed. Oh, you know what? You know what you need? You know what I forgot to do? What? I forgot to tell him, tell him who I was. <laughs> You know what you need? You need the sound effect of a school bell. I do need. We'll, we'll see this. <laughs> it's so cheesy, but as soon as it's yeah, starting, ding, go, ding. No, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. The uh, the. Oh yeah. Well, you know what? I'm sure we can find that. That's like in every single movie that's ever been made. Or, yeah. Or maybe I can get the guys from uh, Hollywood Edge, my friends that have that library to do it. This is the after show, by the way. <laughs> Oh, the after show. Yeah, we're we doing have, that, too. We have an after show. Just because that's, you know, so wildly successful. You know, I like the after. You know, I thought most of the show was the after show. <laughs> well, yeah, but so that is that. There is that. Most of the show is the after show. This is the part where if we would have thought ahead, you would have heard the, the beer bottles opening. Oh, yeah, right. Show. Or the beer bottles clinking but around it, as it's, we throw it, them away. It's Sunday, so we're doing this in the middle of church. That's right. Well, this is the beer. This is... There's a brew pub in, in uh, Pittsburgh that was built in a church. No way, really? Yep. I think it's called Church Brewing. I can you swear in that brewery? I believe you can. Hmm. That would be funny if you couldn't swear. Like, no swearing in our brewery. There was a brew pub. I think it's closed. I'm not certain. Uh, in Houston that was in an old suburban bank branch. And the private dining room was the vault. Neato. Yes. And they had a lot of really bad pun names for their beers. <laughs> they had bad check pilsner. Oh wow! And uh, and and they had banker steam. Banker steam. <laughs> That's very clever. Okay, well, uh, this is that, and I'm going to turn this off. You've been listening to Beer School podcast. I'm on the iPod now with John Foster. That's right. I'm John Foster, and I'm. S- I'm throwing you all out. I gotta erase the chalkboard. And, hey, kid, you want to bang the, the erasers together? Want to bang the teacher? I mean. <laughs>